In 2022, U.S. police murdered 1,096 people. According to the Washington Post, this year law enforcement has killed 661 folks. That's an increase of 22 people since our last roundup, and we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieve in silence and solitude. It's critical to understand that police killings are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgressions against our communities. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and put our folks in cages. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law & Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of September 18, 2023. An autopsy has found 14 gunshot wounds in the body of Roger Hurd Jr., who was killed by Chattanooga police officers in August after officers in plain clothes and unmarked cars attempted to stop him at a Chattanooga gas station after being identified as having an open warrant against him. Hamilton County District Attorney Cody Wamp alleges in a statement that Hurd was, quote, committing a litany of felony offenses at the time of the shooting. But does this justify a shooting death? A reminder that the cops who violently ended Roger Hurd's life were dressed in plain clothes and in unmarked cars when they brutally shot their victim. Can you imagine three men pulling up to you in a car, jumping out and all aiming guns at you? Those officers were placed on paid administrative leave for a quick moment, a paid vacation, and are all now back at work. Hurd's family believes the officers used excessive force by continuing to shoot Hurd after he fell to the ground. Attorneys for the family said that kind of force has been found to be unconstitutional in federal appeals courts, regardless of Roger Hurd's ability to move through life without breaking the law or significant mistakes he made. We must find ways to respond to dangerous or problematic behavior without shooting someone 14 times in the street. Source, the Chattanooga Times Free Press. In 2017, two police officers in South Haven, Mississippi, attempted to serve a domestic violence warrant at a home, but they mixed up the address on the warrant and instead aggressively woke up a family across the street by banging on the front door without identifying themselves. When resident Ismael Lopez answered the door, his pet dog ran outside. One of the officers shot and killed the dog. Lopez allegedly dropped a rifle he was holding and began to run away within his home when he was shot in the back of the head by an officer named Zachary Durden. Lopez died before he could be taken to the hospital. But Lopez's lawyers have disputed that he pointed the gun at officers. They noted his fingerprints and DNA were not found on the rifle, which was recovered more than six feet away from his body. I started this story mentioning that it happened in 2017. There have been two alarming updates since. First, in 2020, the city of South Haven argued in court that Lopez had no civil rights to violate because the Mexican man was living in the United States illegally and faced deportation orders. Let me repeat that one time. The state's argument was that a man who was shot in the back of the head while running away from the police who was only in contact with police because they attempted to serve a warrant at a wrong address was not entitled to any civil rights in this country because of his immigration status. Luckily, in 2020, a judge did reject that argument, finding constitutional rights apply to, quote, all persons. But this brings us to now. Ismael Lopez's widow, Claudia Linares, brought a lawsuit seeking $20 million in compensation as a result of the terrible and tragic killing of her husband. Last Thursday, a federal jury in Mississippi rejected that civil lawsuit, ruling that Ismael Lopez's rights 
had not been violated when he was shot and killed while running from police in his own home. Again, police who had arrived to serve a warrant at a different address who did not identify themselves as police who shot Lopez's dog before targeting Lopez while he was running away inside his own house. This verdict caps a series of attempts at lawsuits that show the terrible truth of the criminal legal system and the unending forgiveness that murderous police officers are afforded. As far as my research has shown, there have been no changes to police policy in South Haven, Mississippi in regard to what happens when officers serve a warrant at a wrong address. Source, the Associated Press. In an eerily similar story, a New Mexico family has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Farmington and three Farmington police officers involved in the fatal shooting of Robert Dotson while responding to a domestic violence call at the wrong house. Yes, another domestic violence call. Yes, another wrong address by police where they didn't identify themselves. Yes, another unnecessary death by cop. Brace yourselves, this one is also disturbing. Robert Dotson and his wife, Kimberly Dotson, believed that they heard a knock on their door. So Robert, quote, put on his robe and went downstairs to answer the door. For personal protection, he picked up a handgun, which was kept on top of the refrigerator in the residence, not knowing what he might encounter at that late hour. That's according to the lawsuit now filed against the city and the police department. The lawsuit continues, quote, Mr. Dotson opened his front door and was blinded by police flashlights. The police did not announce themselves, and Mr. Dotson had no idea who was in his yard shining bright lights at him. Reports do not claim that Mr. Dotson fired the gun that he had grabbed to protect himself. Upon hearing the gunshots, Kimberly Dotson came downstairs, also clad in a robe, to find her husband lying in the doorway, bleeding. Fully unaware of who had just shot her husband, because, of course, the officer never identified themselves, and again were at the wrong address, she picked up her husband's gun and fired outside at the attackers. The police officers then fired at Mrs. Dotson another 19 rounds, and somehow, fortunately, she was not hit. The lawsuit goes on, quote, The defendant police officers finally announced themselves, and Kimberly Dotson told them that someone had shot her husband and requested their help. She did not realize, even at that moment, that the three police officers were the ones who had killed her husband. The officers handcuffed and detained Kimberly Dotson and her two children and did not disclose to investigators that they were at the wrong address. Again, my research does not find any changes to police policy in New Mexico in regard to what happens when officers show up and show up aggressively at a wrong address. Source, CNN. A new report published this week by Pregnancy Justice, a nonprofit that defends pregnant people from criminalization, shows that nearly 1,400 people were arrested for actions related to their pregnancies from 2006 through 2022. For comparison, a similar 2013 report from Pregnancy Justice found that in the three decades from 1973 to 2005, 413 pregnant people had been criminalized again from 2006 to 2022. That number increased to nearly 1,400. That's a massive increase aligning with the growth of our prison industrial complex and the criminalization of poverty and drug usage. Specifically, the new report links the rise of fetal personhood laws, which give fertilized eggs, embryos, and fetuses the same rights as people, to the heightened criminalization of pregnancy. Nearly 77% of cases where pregnant people were criminalized occurred in states that expanded the definition of child abuse to include fetuses, fertilized eggs, and embryos. Studies have shown that pregnant people with substance use disorders are less likely to seek help if they live in a state that harshly criminalizes drug or alcohol use during pregnancy. It's one thing to have judgmental feelings about how others live their lives. It's another to create laws that lock away these people 
based on those judgments. Of course, these fetal personhood laws have the same conservative religious imperatives as the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the removal of access to abortion rights. For those of us who believe in bodily autonomy, let's draw that line directly to giving pregnant people the ability to make choices for their own bodies. If there was ever a case to be made for abolition, this is it right here. And I want to give thanks and credit to our recent guest on Law and Disorder, Martha Painter, who beautifully draws that line in her book, Abortion to Abolition. Source, The Appeal. In the dystopian and absurd reality that we have arrived in, the Pentagon has created an artificial intelligence program that they've named Game Changer for the express purpose of figuring out how to manage their more than $816 billion budget and to figure out how to navigate those wildly bloated funds through what the Department of Defense itself points to as an absurd amount of, quote, tedious policies. A press release on Game Changer from the Defense Intelligence Agency, the military spy wing, says, quote, did you know that if you read all the Department of Defense's policies, it would be the equivalent of reading through War and Peace more than a hundred times? It continues. For most people, policy is a tedious and elusive concept, making the idea of understanding and synthesizing tens of thousands of policy requirements a daunting task. But in the midst of the chaos that is the policy world, one DIA officer and a team at the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security saw an opportunity. The press release went on to decry the Pentagon's mountain of policies and requirements. While Game Changer is just one of a vast list of AI programs bankrolled by the Pentagon in recent months, maybe instead of the misperception that a solution to the policies and procedures are too hard to navigate, the actual issue is how policies are formed and how congressional blank checks for war, imperialism, and military intervention are issued. Perhaps if we simplify the policies in the first place by funding community resilience programs instead of war making, the Pentagon wouldn't need to increase their already wildly bloated budget in order to fund artificial intelligence. I can think of a few more useful things to do with $816 billion of our tax money. Can you? Source The Intercept. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of September 18, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland-based musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 90s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com, and her website and socials are linked from our website. That's kpfa.org. <laughs>